Beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus! Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box, a hard cross. McBride scores! It's 3 0 United States! Welcome to Bone and Bean United. What is up? Happy Soccer Podcast Day. I am Beam, no bone today as we finish up the group stage of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Bones' anniversary is this weekend, so he and the missus taking some time. He had the day off from work today, and I figured, you know what, Bone? Let me just take the day. No podcast needed to do. I'll handle it myself before we get into the knockout rounds. All right, fun one, man. Obviously, wrapping up the group stages today in what was set to be a dramatic stage, and boy, did it ever turn into that, right? Uh, we don't know really what to expect when we get into these final match days. We obviously know what's in front of the team, what what, what missions should be accomplished, and ultimately which missions are failed. So a lot of good stuff happening today. Your final groups, G and H, on tap. We'll get started in Group H because there's a pretty... I mean, there's bitter, bitter rivalries, one for one other reason and one for an entirely different reason than the other uh, going on today in the World Cup. One continental, one not so continental, but we'll start you off in Group H. So here you go. Here was the situation heading in uh, to the day. Uruguay was on one point. Uruguay had a minus two differential. Two goal differential, excuse me. Ghana was on three points. They had a zero goal differential. Uh, and then you had Portugal, who had already qualified into the knockout rounds. They were the one of the first teams in. They had six points in two games. And then you had South Korea, who was also on one point with a minus one goal differential. So goal differential is going to be the big difference today coming into this game. Obviously, in that Ghana and Uruguay match, you were going to have some nasty tempers because of what happened 12 years ago, and I'll catch you up on that in just a second. But we'll start off with South Korea and Portugal. So Portugal come out swing, and Hordak gets the goal in the fifth minute. Already, all of a sudden, poof, Portugal feeling good. They're into the next round. No big deal. They're going to be on cruise control. They have the lead early in this one. Doesn't matter. They couldn't even be caught uh, as well. I guess they could have technically been caught by Ghana uh, on goal differential, but likely wasn't going to be the story for them. So Kim scores in the 27th minute. Um, Kim scores in the 27th minute, which was pretty awesome to see. So South Korea is now in it, right? Uh, Then we get through the second half. And if the South Korea-Ghana game from the last round that they played wasn't stressful enough, well, this one for South Korea proved to be big because Wong comes in. Uh, Hyunmin Sun has an unbelievable supply ball. Wong comes in and scores a goal. 91st minute, winner against Portugal, okay? They win the game. And this game actually ended up finishing before Ghana and Uruguay, and I'll get to that again in a second. But you saw the Korean players just in a unbelievable show of emotion after the match. Hyunmin Sun's been donning the mask the entire tournament, right? The, the protective face mask. He throws his mask into the air. I mean, he is unbelievably happy with what they accomplished. Let alone you just beat Portugal. You likely just qualified into the next round. So that put that in your cap. South Korea 2, Portugal 1. Great victory for them. The other big feud that was happening, uh, Bone and I had talked about this last night, and that was between Ghana and Uruguay. Now, this stemmed from 12 years ago because you had a knockout round game, and I believe this was the round of 16 in which 
Ghana had an opportunity at the end of the game to score. Now, Luis Suarez threw his hands up in the box. Ball was going into the net. Luis Suarez batted the ball away. He immediately got a red card. The Ghanaian player stepped up to take a penalty. And unfortunately for him, he missed. The game would ultimately go to penalties in which Uruguay would win. So that was 12 years ago. That was the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. Now, Luis Suarez is part of that team. Luis Suarez, again, a part of this team. Earlier in the match, which I about had an aneurysm while I was watching this game because you knew it would be testy. Uh, Earlier in the match, Ghana gets a penalty kick. Get a penalty kick. They go to VAR. They do the entire thing. They actually get a penalty kick. It looked to be offside for a second, but it didn't matter. Um, So they get a penalty kick. Andre Ayew steps up in the box. Hits one of the worst penalties you're going to see. Uruguayan keeper goes to his left and saves it. I'm thinking to myself... You have got to be kidding me. If Portugal draw South Korea, or even if they win at that moment, they were up. If they draw South Korea or they win, and Uruguay end up winning this game, Uruguay is going to go through. And at that point in time, I felt on a desolate island that things in life were unfair. I mean, I think we can all agree. Luis Suarez, if he's on your team, probably love the guy. If he's not on your team, you probably don't enjoy the guy. So Uruguay would go on to just kind of run all over Ghana. And it was quite the scene. So while that game was going on, they're up 2-0. They score a couple of good goals. They're pressing, they're pressing, they're pressing, doing everything that they can. They have a penalty that was called late. They go to VAR, they check it, and Uruguay ends up not getting the penalty kick. I mean, they probably had, I don't know how many actual shots it was. It seemed to be six or eight really good opportunities towards the end of the game. Mind you, if they score another goal, they are into the knockout rounds. Them and Portugal, into the knockout rounds. Or if Portugal scores another goal. Now, I told you we know how the South Korea game ended up happening. So this game goes all the way down to the wire, and Ghana hold off Uruguay, saying, I'm going to drag you down to hell with me and hold off the Uruguayan advances, and both of those teams go crashing out of the tournament. You know what? It was crazy. On one hand, it was Luis Suarez being so sad, which, again, not the biggest fan in the entire world. And then on the other hand, it's Young Min's son, who I think everybody in the entire world, if you're watching this game or you're just a fan of soccer in general, truly, genuinely enjoy that guy and watching him play and the personality that he has. So on one hand, you have Hummin son going nuts, right? And the jubilation, and he's crying, and his teammates are embracing him, and everybody's having a great time. Similar to the scenes in Japan yesterday, right? Just kind of disbelief that they were able to pull themselves up and win. And then on the other hand, you have Luis Suarez crying on the bench. And sometimes sports are all right. Sports are pretty good in that sense. And then after the game, it was a mess. Uruguayan players berating the referee for not giving him the penalty. Uh, decisions throughout the game, yada, 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 whatever. Edinson Cavani goes over and smashes the VAR machine. So good luck, Uruguay, in the next four years. And literally saw the people, saw Ghanaian people in Qatar celebrating their loss just because Uruguay was unable to get through. So your participants in the round of 16 for Group H, that would be Portugal, number one in the group. They go through, they were on six points. And then South Korea qualifying on four points. And it was just a wild ride in that situation. Again, if Uruguay had gone through, or excuse me, if Uruguay had scored another goal, 
then we're talking about an entirely different story because they would advance on goal differential, but it actually came down uh, to the yellow cards rule, which I thought to be pretty darn fascinating. So anyways, those are your qualifiers from Group H in the early morning games. Now again, here we go. So we're talking about uh, in Group E now where you had a lot of feuds going on as well. Excuse me, Group G, not Group E. Group E was yesterday. So Serbia and Switzerland have had a feud. And T-Bone and I had talked about this four years ago. You have Jerdan Shakiri and Granit Xhaka, uh, who are of Albanian descent. And the Serbians obviously have a longstanding feud with Albania and don't recognize them as a people. Yada, yada, yada. You can go Google it, and it's a pretty gnarly situation. So Granit Xhaka and Jerdan Shakiri of Albanian descent playing for the Swiss national team. Now, four years ago, you had Granit, or not, excuse me, not Granit Xhaka, Jerdan Shakiri score a goal in an elimination game, basically like this was, and throw up the double eagle sign, a la what Albania uses for their flag. So this one was already going to be testy because not only did you have two teams that really don't like each other, you also had a match in which everything mattered in this. So going into the day, Brazil was on six points. They had a plus three goal differential. All right. Cameroon, they were on one point. They had a minus one goal differential. Serbia in this game had one point. They had a minus two goal differential. And then Switzerland coming into this game, they were on three points and they had a nothing goal differential. So everything, everybody was still left to play in this group except for Brazil. They had punched their ticket to the knockout rounds already. Posturing, of course, Switzerland could catch them. Nobody else could when we're talking about advancing into the knockout rounds. So Serbia and Switzerland, with all that being said, and the feud that they have and the dislike that they have between some of the players in Switzerland and the Serbian teams turned into one of the best World Cup games that you're going to see. I mean, you have Jerdan Shakiri opening up the scoring for Switzerland because why wouldn't he when given that opportunity to do it? So that was in the 20th minute. Mitrovic hits back right for Serbia in the 26th. And then you have Serbia go ahead in the 35th minute. Briel Embolo, who has had a fantastic World Cup so far, equalizes right before halftime. And then right out of halftime, Switzerland score. So they're up 3-2. to two. All they need to do is win the game. And they could possibly win the group as well if Ghana does their thing, or excuse me, if Cameroon does their thing uh, against Brazil. So absolute craziness that happens in this game. Switzerland ended up seeing it out. There were about 15 yellow cards handed out in this game because shocking, why wouldn't there be? Let's actually count the yellow cards. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven yellow cards handed out in this match, and I don't think anybody was surprised with the way that that was. Now, Switzerland had their opportunities, and they took them in this game. They got outpossessed there at the end against Serbia, but that's fine. So 2.39 goals, expected goals for Switzerland, uh, and Serbia really left themselves open, thought they were clinical in finishing today in Switzerland. I, or, excuse me, for Switzerland. By the way, I was actively Googling in the other match because I heard something on the broadcast which blew my mind. Brazil have qualified first in their group at every World Cup for the last 10 times. You can make it 11 because it was always going to be tough for them to be jumped in the standings on goal differential today against Cameroon. So Brazil run out. They trot out a roster that's, I don't know, whatever. Not the best roster. It's not their A roster. They were resting their players because they have eyes on the next round. Get it from Brazil. Totally understand that. No big deal. Cameroon... 
somehow managed to score in the 92nd minute to beat Brazil 1-0. Now, Abubakar scores in this game. He was already on a yellow card. He understands what it means. He's running wild, taking off his shirt right into the corner. He was already on a yellow and gets another yellow in this card, so he gets a red card. That's awesome, right? Understands, you know what? I'm going to get red carded. I don't care. I just scored against Brazil in a World Cup. Doesn't matter. Cameroon got eliminated. The final score, 1-0. Now, the craziest part about this with Brazil is that they have not lost a group stage match since 1998. I was six years old the last time that that happened. It was great stuff, man. Again, qualifying today, you had in Group G, Cameroon 1, Brazil 0. Switzerland, they hold off Serbia 3-2. to Uruguay, they defeat Ghana in Group H, but it didn't matter because of goal differential and then FIFA Fair Play Act. And then South Korea upsetting Portugal 2-1 to in that game. High drama, high emotions. I don't know what I am going to do now that the group stage is over. So if you're asking yourself, what does that mean? How does it set up the table? Brazil are going to get South Korea on December 5th because Brazil finished first in their group, Korea finished second. And then Switzerland are going to get a date of destiny with Portugal coming up here December 6th. By the way, quickly, awesome matchups. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but... All I know is that I'm going to be having a good time. And for as much controversy off the soccer field that T-Bone and I have basically since the inception of this podcast been talking about, the actual soccer in the group stage has been tremendous. Like, it has been a fantastic group stage that this tournament has put on. And again, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself now that the group stage is over and you get two games here in the next round and then one game a day moving forward. So it's all coming to an end, but half of the tournament done officially you have 32 teams out, not 32 teams out. That's not correct. You have 16 teams out and 16 teams moving on round of 16. That's coming up here this weekend. Going to take a break. When we get back, we will preview your knockout round bracket. What does it look like? And of course, get a little bit in to the U S men's national team date of destiny with the Netherlands coming up next. You're listening to bone and beam United brought to you by Zaftig Italian village. All right, Bodie come down three, two, one brought to you by Zaftig Italian village. Again, no bone today. Brandon beam here. Hopefully everybody's having a great start to their weekend. Uh, all right. So first games tomorrow. Knockout round game. USA gets a date of destiny against Netherlands. So this game's at 10 a.m. And then you have Argentina and Australia coming up at 2 p.m. tomorrow. Your Sunday games, December 4th, that is Sunday. You have France and Poland and England and Senegal coming up here on Monday. Your other knockout round games, round of 16. I mean, these are all great games. It's knockout round of the World Cup. Of course, they're going to be good. Japan and Croatia, December 5th, and Brazil and South Korea. And then you have Morocco and Spain and Portugal and Switzerland to finish things off on December 6th. So as we get into this tournament, get into the knockout stages. You can tweet at us at Bone Beam United. What are your expectations tomorrow for the U.S. men's national team? Halfway, I'm, I'm super excited for this game. Understand what it means. Haven't made a World Cup in eight years. You get through the group stage. You're the only CONCACAF team to do so, which I think is pretty impressive. Now, Netherlands coming into this game, 18 games unbeaten internationally. They're very good. And we've talked about it before. If Virgil van Dyke plays up to his hype and can f- somehow conjure his form 
from Liverpool over the last couple of years, like they're going to be incredibly tough to break down, especially when the U.S. has only scored two goals in three matches. But the good news for the U.S. men's national team is that Christian Pulisic, he was apparently in training today, and Greg Berhalter and the U.S. men's national team doctors, they gave him the go. So he's going to be full go, full steam, and ready to rock tomorrow at 10 a.m., which is fantastic news, awesome to see, glad that he's all right, and everything that is happening. Also, Josh Sargent, apparently better than expected. So we don't necessarily know what his availability is going to be tomorrow, but we're going to find out. As far as expectations for this game, I really don't know. I mean, knockout games are so funny. The Netherlands have taken their chances. They've been very good. Cody Gakpo is a guy that we highlighted before the tournament started, and he is living up to that hype rather well. He's got three goals in three games and is doing very, very well. Now, you only have one other time where you've played the Netherlands in your history, and that was all the way back in June in 2015 where you actually beat them 4-3. to Jazzy Zardes was your first goal scorer in that game. Looking at the stat line here, Bobby Wood, Dan Williams as well, and John Brooks were your last four players to score against the The only guys that you have in the United States of America men's national team history to score against the Netherlands. Obviously, these teams are very different this go-round. Netherlands come in, they're confident, sure, okay. Uh, they have great midfield play, but apparently they're dealing with a little bit of a flu bug, flu bug that too. So I don't know what to expect in this game. All I know is that I'm damn excited that the boys get an opportunity to knock on the door and hopefully advance to the round of eight, which would be the quarterfinals. And if they do that, sets up potentially a matchup with Argentina, which would just be an opportunity to knock Lionel Messi out of the World Cup. I know I'm getting the cart in front of the horse here. For his last go-round in a World Cup would be something that would be pretty sensational. Bone went with a 3-1 scoreline prediction yesterday. I think it's going to be a little tighter than that. And when we were both doing our previews of the entire World Cup and previewing how this was going to go, we both had this matchup and we both picked the Netherlands. But sitting here on the night of the game, because I'm an American and a Patriot, I'm going to go USA 2, Netherlands 1. And hopefully that's how it shakes out and my liver's going to need a break come Sunday. Hopefully everybody has a fantastic weekend. We're going to be back on Monday. So no weekend podcasts for us because it's Bones anniversary weekend. We got a lot of stuff, well, a lot of stuff happening as well. So we're going to be back on Monday and we will recap, of course, the U.S. men's national team game. What happened over the weekend with them? What happens tomorrow against the Netherlands? And who could they potentially play in the quarterfinals if they manage to go on? So we will be back Monday. No podcast for us Saturday or Sunday. Hopefully everybody has a great weekend. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening. This is Bone and Beam United.